The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. I am reminded particularly today that our tradition does not have a set teaching or doctrine about what happens to us after we die. And that that really gets in the way of putting a fine point on the end of this message series. This message series is called Frustrations, Failures, and Fresh Starts. If I could just get up here today and say, we all die, and then we all go to heaven. Good night, everybody. <laughs> that would make it so easy to talk about heaven as the final, and maybe first, fresh start. But the truth is, as one of the great teachers in our tradition, Henry David Thoreau said, when asked if he had prepared himself for the world to come, his answer is so perfect I prefer to take it one life at a time. And so we are all here today taking it one life at a time. When it comes to anything beyond this, this is always my answer. I imagine it probably will always be my answer. It is above my pay grade. I don't know. No one exactly knows. And actually, I think traditions that put too much of a focus on what has come before or what comes after actually diminish us being here fully in this life. The core aspect of our tradition is not, were you there when the truth came into its fullest being a long time ago? And not, where are you going to be when this all ends? Not past, not future, but present. Not where were you, not where will you be. But this is the core question in our tradition. Are you here? Are you here? Are we here today? In the fullness of our lives, with all of our challenges and all of our blessings, and perhaps some of your greatest challenges and your greatest blessings are staring right back at you today on this Memorial Altar Sunday. We honor this Sunday because this time of the year in a number of the world's traditions from Dia de los Muertos in Mexico to All Souls Day to even, yes, as fun as Halloween is, <laughs> what the original nature of that holiday, of that holy day was. At this time of the year, especially in the Northeast, as things start to slow down, Maybe we can slow down just a little bit as well, too. And we can remember all of our beloved departed who still rest with us. It is certainly true that in this life, some deaths are frustrations and some deaths are failures. One of the most formative aspects of my life, I would say the most formative event in my life, and if you've been around for a while, you know this, was my mother's death at the age of 47, which is how old I am now, 25 years ago when she died. That death was a failure of those who were supposed to care for her and did not appropriately. Some deaths are great frustrations and terrible failures. But the truth is that death itself is neither frustration nor failure. It just is. Someday for all of us, 
it will happen. When we look at these faces of these beloved people, beloved beings on our memorial altar, as I am going to invite you all to do at the end of our service today, maybe we can really take them in and recognize that however large a gulf or how close the intimacy between us and these people and these beings, this is what unites all of us. If we allow the wisdom of death, the fact of its inevitability to season us, to wake us up, we will grow wise hearts. I believe above all else that what spiritual community is good for is that it is one of the few places in which we are given not just the allowance space, but the permission to grieve. The permission to grow our hearts in this way, even at the places sometimes in which our hearts are most broken. And so today is about this one inescapable fact. That life has loss. And perhaps if we can face that most fully, we will also recognize that life has something else as well too. That life has a love that can hold our loss. Right here and right now. I was reminded this morning walking up here of the value of just one of these lives on this memorial altar. Some of you know who Larry Jeffers was. He was one of the founding members of Wellsprings, one of the members of the planting team. And we're going to celebrate Larry's life on November 11th. But I was particularly aware of Larry and his faces on that table over there. That none of us would probably be here right now in this space if not for Larry. <laughs> Larry was incredibly dogged in the fall of 2006 in visiting more schools than I can remember. (laughs) Elementary schools and middle schools and high schools all throughout this area, a number of which I'm sure your kids attend. And none of them were quite right until I saw his red pickup truck in the fall of 2006 out in that parking lot for the first time. He had preceded me here. And we walked around this campus for the first time. And we thought maybe this could be our spiritual home. I remember Larry today. We occupy this holy ground, this sacred space, because he lived. When I was in college and not really knowing much about what I wanted to do with my life, and much less even what I actually believed about my life. I read this quote from John Updike that was from the opening of a book that he wrote about a marriage that was ending. He says that a marriage ends is less than ideal, but all things end under heaven. And if time is held to be invalidating, then nothing real succeeds. John Updike didn't believe that nothing real succeeds. He just believed we had to have a different measure of the number of days in our lives to really know that our lives are success. I think of Larry, and I see you, and I know that Larry succeeded. 
even as his life has come to an end. Larry lived to a good age, an age that many of us would like to reach and maybe get beyond as well, but 83 is pretty good. But not all of us get that many years. This man did not get that many years. That is Aaron Lee. I first knew him before I knew who Aaron Lee was as angry Asian Buddhist. (laughs) He was a blogger, a really incisive blogger and writer who called attention to the fact that in representations of Buddhism in the West, the kind of Buddhism that people like me are drawn to have an interest, a deep and abiding interest in the Dharma, in the teachings of the Buddhist tradition, that very often the representations are of people who look like me, who are white. And that what angry Asian Buddhists called attention to is that that is not the only truth of who Buddhism is, not just in the past, but also right now. And so angry Asian Buddhist pushing back against that stereotype that maybe some of you have heard and maybe some of you have had to struggle with yourself, that Asian men aren't angry. They're calm and peaceful. That's a deeply racist thing. He pushed back against that. He raised his voice. And then when he reached the age of 33, he found he had cancer all throughout his body. And his one hope was a blood donor whose blood type matched his own. And they didn't find that blood donor. And so Aaron Lee only lived to the age of 34. In the Buddhist tradition, there is a teaching called taking refuge. When we take refuge, it does not mean that nothing bad is going to happen to us. It doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out happy at every moment. Taking refuge means that there is a connection between us and within us so profound and so deep that it brings peace and compassion and allows our hearts to grow. Bless you. When Aaron Lee had two months left to live, And he was in the hospital. He started offering refuge to everyone who came to see him. He would ask them one of those really powerful questions. And by the way, this is a question that maybe we can ask ourselves today. Now, he's sitting in the bed. Just kind of situate this in your mind. (laughs) He's sitting in the bed. He is the one with cancer. He is the one who is dying. And he would ask Everyone who had come into his room, his friends, his loved ones, the medical staff at the hospital. If you had two months to live, how would you live? And so often the people caring for him, the roles were switched. And he started caring for them. Because they would stop. And they would talk, and they would begin to speak of the things that are most important to them. The people that they loved. The hopes they had as yet unfulfilled. This is offering refuge. Cutting to the very heart of our lives 
and making space as a priority for what and who really matters for us. This is the reason that we offer this memorial altar Sunday. To offer each other refuge. As I said before, there are so few places in our lives in which we are given permission to grieve. How often do you say it? How often might you hear it after someone has a loss, a death? They'll say, oh, they're doing fine. They're back at work. They've resumed doing what they do. As if somehow that is the greatest index of our healing. I don't believe that lie. I believe that a community that offers each other refuge, that takes the time to remember, that takes the time to recall, that time is going to take us all, and that ultimately we have to count our success in more than just days. If we can count our success in the legacy that is left behind, if we can count our success in the goodness that we have passed on, if we can count our success in the fact that this life and this death connects us all, we will have awoken to the fact that really can change us. We will grow our hearts profoundly large, large enough to hold all of this life and these deaths, and all of the love we need to make it through. This can be a fresh start for us today if we remember who and what we love. As for what comes after this, as I said already, I don't know. But what I do trust is this. If there is love now, there will be love then. This is what I trust. And I trust a community that is able to grieve and grow together. May this be a fresh start for us today in this work of a lifetime. Amen. May you live in blessing. I have brought this message to an early end because the focus of this service today is the invitation in just a few minutes for you to come forward and spend time seeing these faces, letting them touch your hearts, and sharing love and support with each other, we who are still living. And so our prayer today is a little bit different. We're not going to pray with our eyes closed. We're going to pray with the light. And I've asked some folks before the service who have some tapers to come forward to the front of our worship space. Normally we extinguish this chalice by blowing it out and trusting that the light remains. But today, we are going to trust that this candle will light. We're going to really trust it. And there, see how trust is fulfilled? <laughs> We're going to ask our 
chalice, flame passers, to light all these candles on the memorial altar. And we're going to dim the overhead lights. We're going to sing our final song together. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward, take as much time as you need, and connect with these faces and with each other. Amen, my friends. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.